praise God that he would be one that would be mindful of us. His mind is, is on us and the things that are on our mind, praise God, that we can call him friend. Um, I know for some of you, uh, just seeing a church like that, a couple things. Some of you are like, are they gathering right now? Are they gathering right now? That's irresponsible. Okay, that was a few years ago. That was a few years ago. Okay, so... It's all right. And then some of you are thinking, man, look at that church gathered. Hopefully some of you have a yearning and a longing to be able to gather again as church family to sing unto God uh, because there is just something special about it. There is something special about it. And uh, maybe that is one of the things among many that God is doing during this time where we can't meet together um, physically as a church family, maybe he is creating in us a deeper longing for the importance of the gathered body of Christ. And so how many of you in the comments would say, when it's time and when we would have the thumbs up to be able to gather, that we should lean into that and in faith gather to praise the Lord. Safely, responsibly, absolutely, but also in faith, knowing that it's a good thing that brothers and sisters would dwell together in unity, not only apart from each other, but also in physical proximity as well. I look forward to that day, friends. Well, once again, if you've just logged on, welcome to the Movement Church. My name is Edward Paz, uh, one of the pastors here at the Movement Church, and it is my joy to welcome you into our digital worship gathering this morning. Um, I am looking forward to, in just a few moments, uh, jump in, back into our Worship and Wisdom teaching series uh, but before we do that, just a couple of things here. Number one, if you've yet to share this video, please do. I'm going to come in strong with a word of the Lord. I'm going to speak into just very little, little bit, uh, into some of the things we see before our eyes uh, going on in our country. Uh, I, I have some strong things to say from the book of Psalms and the, thing, the book of Proverbs, and then towards the end of the message, uh, definitely have an important announcement to share uh, with our church family. And so if there's someone in particular on your heart that you know needs a message like this, someone particular on your heart that you know is a part of church family and that needs to be here today, if you haven't seen them log on yet, maybe you would text them, share the video. I do also want to encourage us as we uh, get started in a brand new year to remain faithful in trusting in the Lord with our tithes, our offerings unto God, uh, trusting Him with our finances. Uh, just first fruits, Lord, I trust you. Not only do I trust you with my finances, but when we give, we also worship God and we thank God for the financial provision that He's given to us. You are a very generous church. If you're checking us out for the first time, uh, you are uh, online with a bunch of people who are very generous with their finances, and so we praise God for that, but I want to continue to just encourage you uh, to not grow weary in trusting the Lord uh, in your giving. And so with all of that said, um, let us jump back into worship 
and wisdom. Worship and wisdom. And if you have, if you have been reading the Psalms in the Proverbs through the first week of 2021, why don't you go ahead and put in the comments, I've been reading the Psalms. I've been reading the Proverbs. And we'd even free you if, if there was a particular psalm or a particular proverb that jumped out to you this week that God was speaking to you from, why don't you go ahead and put that in the comments as well? I mean, today is January 10th, and so that's 10 proverbs and 10 psalms um, that some of you may have read, no condemnation for those who fell behind, no condemnation for those of you who didn't crack open your Bible this week. But hey, it's a brand new week, a brand new opportunity, and we are, through the first three months of this year, journeying through, chapter by chapter by chapter, in our personal Bible reading, the Psalms and the Proverbs. And we are also teaching through the Psalms and the Proverbs uh, each week as well. And so, for those of you who have joined in so far, God is honored. And I know, I've heard from some people already that God is speaking through these Psalms and, and Proverbs. I gotta just tell you, um, we had a staff meeting this past week. And it was a Wednesday, I believe. And so I think we were in Psalm 6. And we were uh, preparing ourselves to pray. And Psalm 6 spoke to me deeply, it spoke to our staff deeply, God met us, we had a God moment in our staff meeting as we went to prayer before the Lord, and, and I had no idea what Psalm 6 said, I came in reading it for the first time with the staff, and God met us in our time of reading the word, and I just want to encourage you, you are tripping out if you are waiting for Sundays to meet with the Lord. Someone in the comments say amen. You are tripping out, church family, if you are relying purely on Sundays to hear the voice of the Lord. You are tripping out if you are living on the breadcrumbs of social media inspiration. Uh-oh, Ed, what's gotten into you? I don't know. All I do know is the word of God is living and active. It's living and active in some of you. It's in your phones. It's on your Bibles, and you're not touching it. And you wonder why you're spiritually dry. You wonder why you're spiritually thirsty. You wonder why you feel disconnected from God. You wonder why you're angry all of the time. And I just want to help you out. I love you. And because I love you, I want to tell you truthfully, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you do not read your Bible, you are spiritually anemic. There, there's very little to live off of. You are lacking Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And when we eat at the wisdom of the world and the social media news of the world, it is unhealthy for our souls. It is like eating prepackaged microwave foods day in and day out little devotionals that pop up little sermon clips it's not going to do it friends we need to feast on the word of god and so i just want to encourage you 
Jump into it. One psalm a day, one proverb a day for your good and the glory of God. Didn't plan on doing that. Sorry, folks, this morning, but hey, I love you. Okay, uh, what, what was I planning on doing today? Let's look at This is what I was planning on doing. Okay, what I was planning on doing, why worship and why wisdom? Uh, I'm going to teach from Psalm 8, teach from Proverbs 9. Going to soothe our hearts, bless our hearts with the gospel and then, um, once again, share a very important announcement about the future of our church uh, that I hope um, you will uh, just stay on the line for. So, why worship and why wisdom? Really quickly here, I've, I've really come to be able to summarize my passion for preaching, my purpose in preaching, so many things that can be accomplished when one teaches and preaches the Word of God. After 10 years, I've been preaching the Bible for 10 years now. After 10 years of preaching the word of God, after eight years of preaching the word of God here at the movement, here's what I have come to discover. That I want to make your love for the Lord and belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ, it would result in, I don't want it just to be love. I just don't want it to be that you've received the gospel. I want it to turn into consistent affectionful, awe-inspired, spirit-empowered worship of God. If the preaching doesn't turn to worship, if the giving doesn't turn to worship, if the taking of communion doesn't turn to worship, if, if the Bible studies and the community groups don't turn to worship, we've missed it. And I thought about it for a second. I was like, Worship, is that it? I mean, don't I want them to change? Don't I want life change to happen? And, and that is true. I do want life change to happen. But I believe no real, long-lasting life change happens apart from consistent, affectionful, awe-inspired, spirit-empowered worship of our mighty God. Because when you worship God truly, you will never be the same. It is impossible to see God, to know God, to worship God, and not have your lives be changed. And so if you're wondering why you may not be growing in your spiritual walk like you might want to, it's not just Bible reading, because one can read the Bible and not worship. Now, I don't even think we're close to that, because many of us aren't even reading the Bible. Come on, somebody. So I dare you to read the Bible and not worship. I, I just Let's start there. But some, they do. They read the Bible and not worship. I think if we make worship the goal, spirit and truth, there is no doubt that our lives will be changed and we'll bring glory to the Lord. Now, another reason for why worship. Another, see, every single week, I want to bring a new angle on why worship and why wisdom is important. And everyone who preaches here on Sundays in this series, a new angle on why worship and why wisdom is important. And let me share, uh, I believe it's, it's just one verse, maybe I have two verses, two verses to set up why worship uh, in today's message. Uh, Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19, an Old Testament book. This is such a rich passage here. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, 
Basically, if nothing's going good for me, if nothing is feels like blessing from the Lord, yet I will worship. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. I might not be able to be joyful in my circumstances, but I'll be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Why worship? What I'm saying as we get started here and wanting to move you towards reading the Psalms in such a way that it would lead you to worship because sometimes, friends, worship is all you've got. For so many times in my life, worship of the Lord, extolling unto God His attributes, remembering His faithfulness in my past, it's been all I've had. When I'm laid out at home and, and my eye is in excruciating pain and I wonder if I'll ever be able to see out of my right eye again, I wonder if I'll ever be able to read again and stare at a computer screen again, I remember in that moment, all I had was worship. We found out that my wife had cancer and it would impact our ability to have children naturally. All we had was worship. When we couldn't explain what was going on with the church and disunity in the church and problems and Lord, I'm just doing the best I can. All I had was worship. Come on, some of you, as the events from 2020 has transpired, going into 2021, there have been times when all you have had has been worship. So many of us have found ourselves in prison cells of all different types, health prison cells, emotional prison cells, mental prison cells, maybe some of you, come on, actual prison cells, and you know all you have to be set free, all you have is worship. Let's look at this narrative in Acts and we see Paul and Silas, messengers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, imprisoned. They were imprisoned for their faith. Come on. Yes, we can't worship together. Yes, we can't eat at restaurants like we'd like to. Yes, there's restrictions. But how many of you are thankful we're not sitting in a jail cell right now for our faith? Come on, somebody. We're blessed. You're blessed. I don't care what's going on. But if you have enough internet speed and modem and router to be able to hear this message and you're not sitting in a prison cell, you've got something to be thankful for. And look at what happened with Paul and Silas. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What were they doing? They were praying and singing hymns to God. They were worshiping God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Now obviously this principle isn't necessarily the direct application of this particular uh, this particular passage, and maybe it is, but here's why worship just summed up in a sentence. Many times, worship is the only way out. 
Many times, friends, I don't know what it is you're going through today. I don't know the things that you've tried to get out of the situation you're in, the marriage difficulty that you're experiencing, the depression that won't leave you, the fear, the medical illness, whatever it is. And I just want to tell you from personal experience, this is very personal to me. I'm not just saying this because it's in the Bible. For me to survive in this world as a Christian, worship. When I don't understand God, when I'm mad at God, why worship? Because sometimes it's the only way out of the spiritual, physical, emotional prisons that we find ourselves in. Worship, friends. If you could attest to this, if, if you could be a witness, come on, somebody, to worship being the way out, would you just type that in the comments? Amen. I've been there. Worship works. Come on, somebody. Worship works. Not only is God worthy of it, but it works. Something happens when you genuinely worship the Lord with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. Now, why wisdom? Why wisdom? And I just want to make this statement out front. Last week I talked about needing wisdom for just 2021 in general. Why wisdom? Because I haven't taught about it as much. Why wisdom? Because people who don't live wise lives have calamity come upon them. Today, I just one reason why I want to continue to implore you to lean in to the importance of wisdom in your life, to read the Proverbs, pick up today, read Proverbs 10. Because the words of man need to be directed by the wisdom of God. There's, there's wisdom for many things in the book of Proverbs. There's wisdom for how you should view work. There's wisdom for how you should relate to other people. There's wisdom in regards to, if you were reading this past week, staying away from the adulteress. Come on, somebody. Stay away. Stay away. She's dangerous. For the women, he's dangerous. Stay away from the adulterer. Stay away. There's wisdom for your marriage. There's wisdom for parenting. But also all throughout the Proverbs, there is wisdom for your words. The words that you use. And friends, because of social media, because of all of our increased ability to use words, never before have I seen the words in my own life and the words of others be so destructive. Now, obviously, there is the positive side of words being able to build up, and the Proverbs speak to that as well. But how many of you would agree Words can be destructive. I want to read this here uh, from the book of James, the half-brother of Jesus. He said these things about the power of words. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. Your words are fire. A world of unrighteousness can come from a tongue of fire. The tongue is set among our members. Meaning, the tongue is among all the rest of the parts of our body. 
hands, knees, legs, head. The tongue is among our members, staining the whole body. If there's any part of your body that could mess up the entire body, it's the tongue, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. And I just, I just want to make this statement because I, I, I can't come to this passage. And you know, friends, uh, I've, I've waded into the political division and at no time have I uh, endorsed a candidate or not endorsed a candidate because that's not what I'm here to do. I serve King Jesus and I want to point you to King Jesus. But in teaching the scriptures, at times we use what is happening in our world to help the scriptures come to life. And what we saw this past week was a result of an untamed tongue. If, if you want to know the potential of an untamed tongue, what we saw this week at the Capitol building in my, okay, I'll say this. This is not the official opinion of the Movement Church, okay? Edward Paz, lead pastor, member of this church, Donald Trump's inability to tame his tongue led to what we saw this weekend, a fire, ridiculousness. It matters how we speak. You know, he, uh, James draws an analogy to a fire here in Northern California. We are so familiar with the fires that have ravaged our entire state and the entire Northwest. You know, all of those fires at one point started with a single what? Spark. It was one sarcastic statement. It was one racist remark. It was one slight. It was one joke. And before you knew it, people were prodding you on. People were encouraging it. And you just went and went and went. And in your own life, come on, before we judge Donald Trump too harshly, how many times have you lit a spark that's called a fire, caused a fire with your words? Come on. I'm giving you an example. Some of you are so hyped about that, but you're not thinking about how in your world you've done the same thing. Come on, somebody. And so I just wanted to come out and say it. I do believe what we saw this week and the destruction we saw was because not wholesale. There's a lot of pieces that go on. People have personal responsibility. But can I tell you this? Donald Trump had something to do with it, and he impacted it negatively for sure. And I'm just saying that. And if you can't admit that, I don't know if you're following Jesus. You may be following something else if you can't admit that the way the president has used his tongue over the course of this last four years has resulted in what we have seen happen. And once again, I don't want to, this is not about partisan. This is not about anything. I just, if that could happen with him, what can happen with you if you don't check your tongue? What could happen in your family? What fire can go ablaze in your family if you don't check your tongue? What, what, 
What fire can you cause in your workplace if you don't check your tongue? In your community, amongst your friends, if you don't check your tongue? The Proverbs has much to say about how we should use our words. And at a time where words, we could see it be so destructive. And come on, for me, I speak so often. This is my job. I've seen my words cause destruction in people's lives. But as I read the Proverbs, I gain wisdom. What to say. When to say it. How to say it. Who to say it to. Get in the Proverbs, friends. Get in the Proverbs, friends, for wisdom around your words. Now, that's why worship, that's why wisdom, just a little extra juice. Let's talk about some specific psalms, a specific proverb. And so we'll go back to the top to set up our time of singing today. David writes it this way. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers... The moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him. What is man that you are mindful of him? I'm just going to just flow off this for just a little bit. I'll have one slide to summarize it in just a little bit. But let's let's just work at it. First of all, what David's doing here is he's looking to God. He's looking up. He's just looking at the physical reality of the heavens. He's acknowledging that God did that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the moon and the stars, which with his own very hands, he put it in place. He put the boundaries of the ocean. He put the boundaries of the galaxy. He he holds the earth up as we speak. Gravity is God's idea. Centrifugal force, come on somebody, is God's idea. I don't even I didn't even know I I knew that word. I, I whoa, that was a moment. Come on somebody. The the moon and the waves and all of that. God's idea. And David is saying, when I look at that, when I look at how you have to be consumed with holding all of that together, what is man? Who are we that you would mess with us? Who are we that your mind would be thinking about us? How often do you think about the fact that God is thinking about you? How would your life be changed and impacted instead of, you know, mama used to say, right? Pay no mind to that. Pay no mind to that. And how many of us would admit we've been paying mind to things we should be paying no mind to? Come on. How many of you are are going down the rabbit hole of foolish controversies? Foolish controversies. Paying mind to hours and hours. Foolish controversies. Controversies the Spirit speaks to. I'm not saying put your head in the sand. But some of you are paying more mind to foolish controversies than you are to the mind of God. And the good news is, God's mind 
amongst his mind being on many things, is on you. How many of you have felt that the Lord has forgotten you? He doesn't see me struggling in my marriage. He doesn't see me struggling with my kids. He doesn't see me struggling with my child with special needs. He doesn't see me toiling at a job that I hate and I'm trying to be faithful to. He doesn't see me. He doesn't see me giving faithfully even though it's hard. He doesn't see how I'm biting my tongue. He doesn't see me. And I want to tell you today, God sees you. He's mindful of you. He is incapable of forgetting about you right where you are. God is mindful of you. But here's the good news. He's not just mindful of you like he's just aware of you. His mindfulness comes with a care. comes with a care. God is always thinking about how he can care for you. God is not thinking about how he can punish you. God is not thinking about all the things you're doing wrong. See, even when he convicts you, it comes from a heart that cares for you. And so he thinks of ways that will bring you back to him. And sometimes that means difficulty. God cares for you. And the principle here, before you go to the next slide, David worships God for this. It wasn't just a theological construct. God's mind is on me. I am a friend of God. It was something that God, uh, David turned into praise. And so that's what I want to encourage us. It's good to know God is our friend. He is mindful of us. But how often do we turn that mindfulness of us, of God, into praise? Because if we did, we wouldn't mind so much about what's going on around us. What's the phrase? If, if, if we were all going to hell in a handbasket, right? Some of you feel like that. But let me just tell you, God's mind being on me and God caring for me is a tremendous resource, not to dig my head in the sand, but to live with my head high in light of what's going on. Some of you are sinking in your circumstances, and you need to be lifted up by the character of God. And the character of God is this. He's thinking about you and he cares for you. Come on, in the comments, someone talk to me. Is this blessing anyone? Did any of you need to be reminded that God's mind is on you? Here's the big idea about God's mind. When it is more on your finite mind that you're on God's infinite mind, praise and adoration, regardless of your circumstances, is inevitable. Edward Justice Paz, born August 20th, 1982, Redwood City, California, to a mom and dad, 22, 20 years old. Grew up on Hillside Boulevard, South San Francisco, 1137 Hillside Boulevard. 
Filipino-American. I'm on the mind of God. And he cares for me. That's not just theological whatever. That is truth. That hits the bottom of my being. That when nothing else is going right, I could worship God. Let it sink in in your hearts today, friends. Let it sink in on our peanut brains. Come on, somebody. Put in the comments, I've got a peanut brain too, Ed. I've got a peanut brain too. That God's, God's infinite mind is on you. Hope that serves you well. In these Psalms, we see attributes of God that should lead to worship. Now, don't go to the next slide just yet. We're going to get into this proverb, but I just got to tell you, because we're going to take a little bit of a turn here. Like, I'm good with the touchy-feely stuff, right? Oh, there goes Ed again. He must have pressed that cry button on the side of his hip and, you know, whatever. But I'm about to get into my wisdom bag in just a moment here, okay? I'm about to reach into a wisdom bag uh, because I've been studying the book of Proverbs, and we're just going to talk wisdom right now. We're just going to talk, okay, that's worship, praise God. It becomes very hard to worship when, when you're not living a, a wise life, when your folly is causing you to stumble over and over again. And this verse is dynamite, friends. This verse, for me, when I read it this week, explains so much about where so many pains in my life have come from. And so I just want to help you out. So if you're ready, if you're ready for me to grab into the wisdom bag this morning, if you want some wisdom for your weary life, would you put in the comments, give me that wisdom. Come on, help me out. Lord, I don't just want to glorify you with my life. I want you to help me to live. I need some help with how to live. Well, what does the writer of Proverbs, very likely Solomon, what does he write in Proverbs 3, 7 through 8? Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. I'm going to read that one more time. It's, it's worth the read one more time. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury, gets injured himself. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. This is golden. This is wisdom. Not only for our lives in general, but for our lives right now in a time like this. How many of you would agree that we live in a time and space where we all feel the need to correct somebody? Come on, come on, put it in the comments. I love correcting people. I love passively, aggressively correcting people. 
I love correcting people with my posts. I love correcting people with my actual words. I love correcting people in my thoughts without ever physically correcting them. I love telling other people to correct other people. I love correcting people because how many of you would say there's so much that needs to be corrected out there? Because I've got the facts. <laughs> I need to be the correction because I really know how it works. Because I watch a YouTube video. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. I love you, but come on. Some of you, you just get a couple vids in you. And you're just like, ooh, I got to get to correcting. <laughs> Let me reach in my correction bag. Come on, come on, come on. Let's have some fun this morning, friends. How many of you this last week reached in your correction bag in some way, shape, or form? Let me tell you, as a pastor, I surely have reached into that bag often. But let me also tell you, when I've reached into that bag and attempted to correct a scoffer, someone say scoffer, it's just a good word, scoffer. When I've attempted to correct a scoffer, I've been beat down and beat up. And this has been a hard lesson for me to learn. For whatever reason, I just keep going back. I just keep going because I just believe God sent me to say it. I just believe they need to hear it. I just believe that, come on, I can't give up on anyone. And I, in love and in patience, try to bring correction. And the scoffers slap me around. Someone put in the comments, say amen, if you've ever been slapped around by a scoffer. If you went with your best intentions to correct, to lovingly correct, and instead, you were hated. Now, we'll break down this verse a little bit more, but I want to clear up for you. I'm not going to clear up for you because then you would think, you know, I I'm going to go to a third-party resource. Ray Ortland, a former pastor of a great church in, in Nashville, just recently retired. Our very own Pastor Christopher Stites has actually met this man, great man of God. He writes a commentary on the book of Proverbs and his commentary explaining what a scoffer is, because, okay, you would say, how, how do I know what a scoffer is? Let's take a look at it. Every one of us needs someone to whom we regularly say, how can I improve? And then we need to listen. Openness and humility are how we grow. Openness and humility are how we grow. Scoffers are not like that. What is a scoffer? Lean in, friends. A scoffer is anyone who never accepts correction. He thinks other people really need his opinions. He is easily offended. Ooh, I'll come back to that. He is above other people. And if someone seems to threaten his superiority, he scoffs. He's aloof. He acts as if that doesn't apply to him. He mocks. He mouths off. He denigrates. What does that mean? Not only does a scoffer not receive what you have to say, but he turns it around on you. This kind of person is dangerous. If you cross him, he will punish you and claim it is your fault. Wow, what a thorough definition of a scoffer. 
And in a cancel culture, being easily offended. Now, so many disclaimers, because some of you scoffers out there are going to come for me. So let me give you this disclaimer. I'm not saying there aren't things in the world to be offended by. There are things in the world to be offended by. Not only just offended by, but to absolutely hate because they're against the very heart of God. But are you easily offended? And I'm not just talking about easily offended by the stuff out there. I'm talking about when someone who has relationship with you who has put in hours of loving you and caring for you and then brings something to you, do you totally forget the character of that person and you find yourself easily offended? Let's go back to the verse. There's two things that are going on here. There is the question that we all have to ask ourselves, am I a scoffer? And the second thing, who's the scoffer that we need to stop trying to correct for our own well-being? Because if we don't cease correcting that scoffer, we're going to find ourselves abused. We're going to find ourselves injured and find ourselves hated when on the other side of things, I just got to tell you, it's been such a healing balm. And, and this is now just a little personal, just like as a pastor, right, who, who loves a flock, who loves you. And so at any point that I do bring any sort of correction, it's not because I get giddy doing it. Okay? It's not because it's just some power trip. Oh, Ed, come on, come on. Can I just tell you that's not what this is about? And so when I, I do encounter a scoffer who ends up spewing hate who, or who ends up turning it around on me, let me just tell you, it hurts. It hurts. But when I have gone to Folks like Pastor Christopher, folks like Spencer, and AJ, and Owen, and I have brought rebuke into their lives out of love, and they have received it. Let me tell you, it is true. A wise man, a wise woman loves the person who's correcting them. Why? Because... My correction prayerfully is an extension of God's correction in your life. And what does the scripture say? God disciplines those he loves. And so if you find yourself over and over again dealing with someone who rejects your loving correction, this proverb says, be warned. You will get burned, you will get hurt, and it might be wise to stop trying to correct the person. Now, just a couple caveats here. Let's, let's bring this up, um, the, the two questions to consider. Uh, oh, on correcting scoffers first, let's say this, good, sorry. 
continually trying to correct someone who lacks the humility to be corrected will end up mentally and emotionally harming you. Glad I didn't forget to say that. Just wanted to summarize the passage. And, and you've experienced it. You've experienced it. Someone type in the comment, amen, I know what that feels like. Um, but two questions, like I said, and, and we'll get to the gospel. One, you got to ask yourself, because <clears throat> I know everyone first goes to, ah, oh, I got to stop that person, the scoffer, right? Come on, come on. All of us first thought about the person who was the scoffer. We didn't think about us and how husbands, you could be a scoffer to your wife. How wives, you could be a scoffer to your husbands. How children, you could be a scoffer to your parents. How, in whatever way, some of you church members can be a scoffer to your small group leader. You could be a scoffer to the pastor that's in your life. You could be a scoffer to another brother and sister in Christ who's trying to love you. Are you a scoffer? Maybe you think about it this way. Who has access to your life to correct you, and before defending yourself, you first say, how can or may this person be the voice of God in my life? And before defending, I am going to listen and apply. You are a scoffer if you don't have someone who comes to mind right now. If there's no one in your life who you've given access to lovingly correct you before you defend yourself, you may be a scoffer. Lord, forgive us for the pride that comes along for being wise in our own eyes. That's what a scoffer is. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Secondly, said it before, who is this scoffer? That's a, I should have put who is the scoffer, but I, that's just, who is this scoffer? Who is this scoffer you need to wisely cease from correcting? Don't put their name in the comments. Come on, somebody. Can you just imagine? Let's just go ahead. Stop. Don't do it. Don't do it. But let me just tell you, in, in, in my pastoral ministry, I'm learning. There's just some people, Ed, for your own spiritual and emotional health, they're not ready for what you have to say, so stop it. It's not wise to keep correcting them. And come on, we're all scoffers in some way, so wouldn't we all say, we would never do you want someone to feel that way about you? Ah, I see something going on in their marriage. I see something going on with the way they're interpreting world events. I see something in their attitude, in their negativity. But you know what? I'm not going to even say anything because every time I do, it's just like there's no potential that this person will hear me. Do you want people to think about you like that? Do you think people think about you like that? When was the last time you genuinely said, I hear what you're saying. I was wrong. I am sorry. Uh, 
let's jump straight to the gospel slide right here. Straight to the gospel slide. It's the outline that says the gospel. I had another slide there, but just this is not a place for anything else but the gospel. Here's the good news, friends. Jesus died for scoffers. Jesus died for prideful people like you and me who refuse to listen. Jesus shed his blood so we could be cleansed of our prideful, wise in our own eyes ways. Jesus was the truly humble servant who never scoffed at anything. Who never scoffed at his heavenly father who would call him to humble himself and die a death on a cross. And when we place our faith in Jesus, his scofferless life gets credited to us. So now we don't have to live in the guilt and condemnation for the years in which we've been scoffers. How many of you would say, thank you, Lord, for your grace? Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. But see, Jesus didn't only die to cleanse you of being a scoffer. He died to cleanse you of the pain and hurt that comes from being, and I'm using words that I don't even know are real or true or tenses, from being scoffed against. If not for the Holy Spirit of God, I'd be a very bitter pastor. And you've probably felt some bitterness at times from me, and I'm sorry for that. But I thank God that overall, I'm not a bitter pastor. Overall, I love you. Overall, I want God's best for you. But God does want to heal you. Because you've given it a shot with some people in love. You've given it your best shot. And they've burned you. And they've hurt you. And they've stabbed you in the back. And they've mischaracterized you when all you were trying to do was love them. And I think your heavenly father wants to say, I don't only forgive you for your sins, but I cleanse you from the sins of others against you. Be cleansed today through the blood of Jesus Christ. Be cleansed today through the blood of Jesus Christ. For all the ways in which, you know, we talk about the Lord being our friend. For all the ways in which we say that the Lord is mindful of us. How many of you are thankful that Jesus forgives you for the ways in which you've been habitually not mindful of him? For the ways that you've not worshipped him for being mindful of you. For the ways in which you've paid more mind to the troubles of this world than the mind of God for you. In Christ Jesus, you are forgiven. This is the gospel. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I, I just want to say this because I, 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 there's, there's a couple disclaimers here. I'll talk to married folks in particular. <laughs> Um, you can't say to your husband or your wife today, um, 
you're a scoffer. I'm not going to talk to you because I need to protect myself from you or something like that, right? You can't give up. Now, you, you can be wise, more wise, in how you go about having the conversation, but I, I just want to say, right, like, yes, there's scoffers out there, but when it comes to your spouse, we, 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 there's, a, there's a covenant we have, okay? There's a covenant. Love your wives as Christ loved the church, husbands. Wives, wives, and this is really hard, wives, honor your husbands and submit to your husbands as the church does to God. And wives, I know you're saying it, but my, but my man ain't God, <laughs> but my husband ain't God. How do I do that? He's scoffing all over the place. I need to put on my mask because he's scoffing all over me. Okay, I know, I know. And maybe, maybe, maybe you might need to take a step back because it has been painful. But what I would say, I would just say to the married couples, if you've got this dynamic going on, you feel like you're not listening to each other. You're both scoffing at each other. Can you today pray about this together? Pray about this together. This is not, you know, kind of generally speaking, I'm saying for many of you, we just need to cut some relationships off. In some ways, we need to stop, you know, trying to correct certain people and just boom, just like that. To the marriages in particular, we've got to work at this. We've got to pray together. Don't go to bed tonight if this is striking a chord in your marriage without praying together tonight. Okay. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. I'm going to end this segment, and then we'll get into this important announcement. You know, I'm all about smooth transitions. This is just kind of wonky. This is just a little weird. We're not singing a song. I'm about to share something really, uh, it's just going to change. The, the future course of our church, we shared it with our members on Friday night. And so for the members who weren't there, sorry that you didn't get this news then for the um, Folks of our church who aren't members but love this church and lean into it. Uh, I also want to pray not only to just close this message, to but to also prepare our hearts for what I'm about to share. So would you with me bow your heads. We're running up against the 90 minutes, but I'm just going to ask for uh, some overtime today. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your living word. I don't know about you, but in my soul and in my heart, it felt living and active today. It felt real. And I thank you that your word is living and active. And we don't serve a dead God. We don't serve a God with dead words. But we serve a God whose words penetrate to the deepest parts of our heart. So we thank you for loving us in this way. We thank you for the reminder that your mind is on us, Lord. Whoa, what a gift. We thank you that one of the ways that your mind is on us was to remind us today, was to introduce to us today the principle of being aware of scoffers, being aware of the possibility that we have been and can be scoffers. But most of all, Lord, we thank you for the gospel which through it we receive forgiveness, we receive grace, we receive mercy, we receive healing, and ultimately we receive reconciliation and right relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, for that gospel. 
Now, Lord, as I share what will be um, hard news, confusing news, uh, emotional news for many, I pray that you would do what only you can do in our hearts. And even for the members who already heard it on Friday, but will be hearing this again, who find themselves in a tough place, Lord, I pray as I articulate this, you would continue to meet them where they're at, to be their God exactly where they're at in their feelings. Not feeling that they have to be further along, but exactly where they're at. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.